main host for eventually super train the short-lived tv show what a short-lived tv show podcast i apologize uh we cover uh short-lived tv shows that never got enough love we cover them three shows at a time one episode at a time uh and eventually we will cover super train in this episode we are covering tales of the gold monkey i believe we are on episode 12 of tales of the gold monkey with uh, kiki writes and i discussing that and on episode 19 I'm pretty sure. Uh, I don't know why I don't write these things down. 19 of Battlestar Galactica with the great Christopher Bly. And then we're closing off with Kristen Hawes and myself discussing episode 7 of The Middleman. So we're going from... What are the years here? It's like 80... Uh, it's 79, 83, and 2008. That's a pretty good mix. Uh, and we're going to start it off here with the uh, Tales of the Golden Monkey. The episode is Ape Boy. And here's a little bit of the theme. Episode 12, Eight Boy. Directed by Winrich Kolb. It's the story by Eric Lerner and Bill Driscoll. Teleplay by Andrew Schneider and Bill Driscoll. January 12, 1983. Eight Boy. Uh, Sarah and Corky and Jake touch down on an island uh, with apes and an Eight Boy. And at the same time that this happens, an Englishman appears um, with some jerks. And the jerks are going to the island to capture the ape boy and apparently put him in the circus as a freak. And it's uh, it's ape boy. That's the main story. It's ape boy. What are you going to do? I'm going to play a little burst of something, a little blast of something, a little... You know, I'm just going to do it myself. I'm going to make a little blast of music, and then uh, Kiki Wrights and I will be on the other side. Let's do this. Ape boy. I like Corky's... The shape of his face. Yes, this, he has a cherub face. He, yeah, he's got this wonderful round face that I, that I, mm-hmm. it's a it's a fun face, especially when it's wrapped in like the blanket. Like, oh. Yes, it's just perfect. It's it's like he's always going to do like a Mother Teresa impersonation or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. If, if uh, Mother <laughs> Teresa was jonesing for a beer. Yes, exactly, and and had really bad five o'clock shadow. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so let's go. Uh, eight boy. Eight boy. Eight boy. Um, I didn't write down. I did write down three people wrote this, but I didn't write down who. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, so let us do uh, do countdown from four. Oh, I said five. I'll give you the extra second. So lean back. Five, four, three, two, one. Eight boy, eight boy. This episode is called Eight Boy. I just gave you the rundown on it, and I've got Kristen Hawes here. I'm not going to make any sort of ape joke. Why would I? That that would make me a jerk. I'm just going to say, Kristen, how are you? 
Um, I'm ready to go ape. How are you, Dan? <laughs> yeah, let's, we're going bananas with Danny DeVito. <laughs> Uh, and the Osmonds. Which one? What, the, the Osmonds were. They were. In, there was a going ape and like going bananas. And the Osmonds were in one. And Danny DeVito. Maybe were there. I don't remember. These are these are childhood memories that just came up in my mind, and I have no way to verify anything. So I'm just going to say. I'll, I'll say first off um, that um, one of the things you learn when you when you start when I start off with a show whenever I, I, I bring on someone new who who I've never talked to before. And I have moments where, like, we're discussing we're discussing episodes, we're going back and forth, talking our opinions. Um, uh, when when you first start talking with someone and they give an opinion, you're like, mm, hmm, I don't know about that. But when you've talked with someone for as many episodes as I've talked to Kristen about stuff, like in the last episode, when you say one thing and she says, mm, I don't know, you start to think, oh, wait a minute, was I wrong? And so I'm not going to say anything about what I thought about Ape Boy because I want to hear all about what Kristen says. In fact, I'm going to mute myself until you're done talking, and you have to tell me to unmute myself. Mute. Okay. Well, first of all, I want to point out that Ape Boy aired on my third birthday. Um, I did not have an Ape Boy or Tales of the Gold Monkey themed party. I actually had a Star Wars themed party. I had a R2D2 cake for my third birthday. Um, that that's neither here nor there. I um, I think I like this episode more than I should, um, <laughs> given that it's kind of a run-of-the-mill Tarzan boy story to a certain extent. Um, but I think part of the reason why I like it is that we get Princess Koji back, and we haven't had Princess Koji and Toto in quite a while, and I miss their faces. And it's interesting how they work themselves into episodes because um, they're kind of the bad guys. They're kind of bad people, but they never end up on the bad guy side. So I'm happy to see that they're back. And I do kind of like the story. I think it's interesting and it kind of keeps you interested throughout. And there's a great callback to the pilot. Uh, with Sarah being afraid of the apes. And we do get Sarah back for this episode. She was gone in the last episode, which I think was for the best, considering my feelings on it. But <laughs> this episode, I actually quite like. Dan, unmute yourself. Tell me what you think of this episode. Are you sure? I want to hear more like about it. that birthday party. <laughs> I want to hear more about that birthday party. That's the first thing I, I actually said. When you said that, I said, oh, that sounds awesome, but I was on mute. And so while you were talking the whole time I talked about, that must have been the best birthday party you've ever had. And no, you couldn't hear me. All I will say is that I, I have pictures from it. I was wearing my favorite outfit, which included a strawberry shortcake shirt and these quilt pants. They were like patchwork. Nice. I was very fetching. And um, <laughs> the cake my grandpa actually made for me. Oh. He made all of our birthday cakes um, oh, for the duration fantastic. of his life. And he got very creative. So for me, he, he made me an R2-D2 cake. And for my sister one year, she got a Raggedy Ann cake. Oh. So That's completely cool. decorated and everything. I have pictures of it somewhere. So, yeah, oh, it was pretty, it's pretty swell. All right. Well, talk to you later, everybody. Now, Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> um, no, um, you, you know what? The thing about this episode is the moment I saw the title Ape Boy, I think I messaged you and just said, Ape Boy? <laughs> And all yes. I could think was, I know exactly what this episode is going to be. And the episode is pretty much exactly what I expected it was going to be. 
but I found it in the end affecting and the the sort of I don't know if it's a twist in the end or not I don't know if the 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 guy who shows up in the wheelchair if, if it's obvious who he is or not I didn't think it was but when you learn what's going on in the end and sort of you get the final moment and Jake and Sarah get um, a lovely freeze frame where unfortunately on the um on the DVD, there's a bit of dirt on the, um, uh, when they freeze frame it, there's a bit of dirt on the image and it's right on Sarah's forehead. So when, so when it freeze frames and it kind of goes sepia toned or kind of, I think it's sepia toned or kind of like brown, you know, like, um, like yeah. old, like, um, uh, uh, comics or, or newspaper or something, there's like a little bit of dirt on her forehead. And it's like, oh, that's a sweet freeze frame. What's on her forehead? Oh, that's just, that's just that should be. If this were on Blu-ray, they would have cleaned that off. Um, so it's a weird episode where I spent most of it, and this happens. This happens with a lot of shows from the '70s. I spent, I will spend quite some time thinking, I don't know if I like this, and then at the end, I'll decide. And. At the end of this, I liked it. But then I also think there are some like episodes of Columbo that I absolutely love until you get to... Not, not a lot of them, but there are a few where you get to the ends and the endings are a bit of a dud. The uh, one where he goes to England, for example. The ending of that, I think, is a dud. But the rest of the episode is so much fun. And so the episode ends and I think, oh, that one was kind of a, kind of a stinker. But then when you go back and watch all the rest of it, you're like, actually, it's pretty good right up to the end. So it's, this one is weird because there are moments I like. I love the the really uncomfortable, strange scene where the apes are groping at Sarah and the ape boy puts his jeans on and he goes and looks at the pig and he comes back. And it's really like, it's it's at one sense, it's kind of sad and moving because you can see he's like piecing some things together. But at the same time, you could see how upset <laughs> this is making Sarah. And so you just like, let her go. Let her go. So that that's a really kind of interesting scene I didn't kind of expect to see in something like this. Because it almost, it goes on a little bit too long. Not not like in like, it's boring. But in like, ooh, now this is like uncomfortable. And the scene where Corky and Sarah, and and I think Jack is up there and Jake are sitting in the cave discussing what they're going to might you know we should take him back to civilization we should leave him becomes a, a lovely um now not an argument i think you and i would ever end up having but but an interesting argument nevertheless and um like i said i think the ending is affecting i think i think the two bad guys who are called the legionnaires who I was hoping they get Legionnaire's disease, but they don't. Um, the <laughs> Legionnaires are nice and sadistic and unpleasant. And like you said, uh, um, uh, to see our... Um, oh, what's her name again? I've suddenly forgotten her name. The, um, uh, our, uh, the oh, Japanese... Princess Koji? Yes, Koji. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, I don't know. I just blanked on it because I didn't write it down, dummy. <laughs> uh, when, when they, whenever they're on, they're fun to watch. And so is this. It's this weird episode where the 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 tropes of the episode don't do a lot for me until they. I mean, like there's there's that moment where the ape boy is by the water 
and he sees the image of the ship crashing with his mom and him in it. And then Jack runs up and just starts licking his face and he kind of hugs him. Come on. You're not going to get a little teary-eyed at that? What are you, a jackass? Come on. <laughs> Have some human emotion, would you please? So, you know, and so it's like, it's it's, it's such a weird episode because, and, and it's great too, like you said, with Sarah and the apes. That's so fun because it's, it's going, you go to, and I mean, obviously, you know, we can talk about how, you know, part of this episode might be involved around the fact that they needed to maybe save some money and reuse the sets from the pilot and maybe some shots from the pilot and maybe some <laughs> outfits from the pilot again. I know this is the middle of the season more or less. So this could have been like, you know, a, a, a good, a good portion of the ape stuff seems to be just sets and things reused from the, from the pilot, but that's okay. Um, but, but overall it's, it's such a weird episode where there are bits that I think are, I really like, um, and there are bits that I'm sort of indifferent to. But in the end, when the credits rolled, I had tears in my eyes. So I don't know what that means. Maybe I'm, it's my time of the month. I don't know. It's, I'm just, <laughs> I don't know. But it's just like, I, it's, it's so weird when an episode can do that to you. You know, where it can take you to, it can take you to a place where you're like, like I said, oh, hey boy, I don't want to go here again. <laughs> I don't want to go. You know, like I, I will say, um, uh, there, there's a Shadow Chasers episode with a little girl who was raised by wolves, which I think is excellent. But that episode is much darker and sort of much more violent and much more in the dark. Um, and but but this one is um, this one is ultimately kind of it's a little goofy, it's a little dark, it's a little strange, it's a little here and there. And I I, I honestly don't know what to think of an episode where. Yeah, like I said, half of it when I watch it, I'm very interested. The other half, I'm like, okay, here we're doing this. But then in the end, I'm crying. So that's what I thought of the episode, folks. I don't even know. Out of five stars, you got me. I don't know. What do you What do you do? I don't even. I don't. I don't know if that is that one or five. I don't know. So what else? What else do you have in this one? What? Well, I think you're right about the trope part. Is that because when I first watched it i'm like oh great a, a tarzan story a kid that was raised by apes how dull but then we get to to the part where thank you for putting on your pants i appreciated that sir yes. and i like that i mean that's so that's so interesting that it's like he, yeah. he meets a lady and his first thought is i'm gonna put on pants and that's like usually the opposite mm -hmm. thoughts that most men have when they meet ladies but anyway <laughs> i'm gonna take off my pants <laughs> I think is this but, the first time that this has ever been done, like a Tarzan thing, where like he shows up in like a so. loincloth, and he's yeah. he's his his presence is kind of upsetting the woman, and so he goes and puts pants on. Yeah, he goes and puts pants on, and then he he has like a connection moment with with Sarah and calls her mom, and she's like, "I'm not your mom, yes. but um, I'm Sarah. <laughs> Let's be friends." And so that right there was a bit interesting. But then when we get to the part where they're debating about this kid about whether to take him back or leave him. And you never see that in other Tarzan tropes. It's just no. always, we're going to take him back and civilize yeah. him. And Corky, of all people, brings up an actual case from France where, about a kid that was raised by wolves Wild and that he was yeah. never fully able to integrate into society. And that's actually something that they've found with these kids because it happens more than you would think. And um, that they do have difficulties, and depending on how old they are, 
of integrating back into human society. Um, though Jake, you know, when he's trying to tell the kid that, you know, you we're people and they're apes, you know, we're different. And I'm like, not really. According to science, we're all kind of apes, Jake. But I mean, if you want to be pedantic about it, fine. Yeah, you just um, shave. Yeah. 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 We wear pants. That's it. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> and he didn't, and ape boy didn't wear pants until the lady showed up. So that's the yeah. thing. So, but he makes the argument that he might not be able to adjust. And Sarah is adamant. We have to bring him back. And again, Corky, who is not supposed to be that bright, is the voice of reason and says, why don't we just ask him, what yes. does he want? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, of course. Yeah. Corky would come in with, with that answer. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think that moment, it really kind of switched for me and said, okay, this is different. This yes. is interesting. Yes. S- same here. Yep, yep, yep. That the uh, d- During that sequence, like 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 you said, yeah, that, that's not something you see. And I, as I was watching it, I thought, I don't – I'd love to see how they resolve this because this could be because this could be something where they have this argument and then well it's what happens but then in the end you you get another twister Rooney but but you have like uh, this is one of those arguments where it's like they have the argument but then an outside force comes in and makes the argument moot because mm-hmm. now they have to do something else but it's it's so great they had a, the one thing i was hoping that eight boy would have done is when they're standing on the edge of like the waterfally rock thing there i don't think there's a waterfall there anymore um no uh, i'm sorry i'm thinking of the the pilot um i was hoping that when like when jake is trying to, when they're trying to talk to him and convince him that he's getting more and more um uh uh agitated what he does is he he runs down along the little rock ledge and runs past the apes. I was actually hoping he let out a yell and just grab leap, grab the vine and swing out over everything and like drop into the woods and run away. Like he's you're talking to him like he's a boy, but he's leaving the conversation like he's an ape. Yeah, I would have I would because there's a vine right in front of him. I thought oh they're gonna have him leap out like do a great stunt leap grab the vine, swing out, or even the apes would be like, whoa, hey, that's a good one. You know, and just like go into the woods and run away. That's what I was hoping they'd do. They, they did not do that. It was a little calmer. Yeah. But um, but it is, I, it's, 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 it, yeah. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know everybody. Um, I think you've heard me talk about episodes before where I've sat and watched them and I haven't been thrilled but somewhere in there, they really grabbed me emotionally, and by the end, I was in it. Um, and this is one of those episodes. I wish I could come up with another example. I know it's only been 130 episodes, <laughs> and that's three episodes in each, so that's over 300 episodes, and sorry, almost 400 episodes of things we talk, and I can't think of one, <laughs> but I know it's happened. I feel like it happened in Planet of the Apes at least once. Um, and I know it's happened in some other episode, probably some other, some Glenn A. Larson shows or something like that. But but, mm-hmm. but you know, you all know what we're talking about. Where you, where you get that thing where it's like, you sit there and you're like, oh, they're doing this in this episode. But then they skew it. They go off mm-hmm. to one side. And sometimes when they skew it, they go right into the toilet. And you're like, oh, you went there. And at, you, you didn't even try, I guess, is, is, is sort of my thought there. But this time, it seems like they're trying. They set it up and they're really, they're tr- really, um, they're really trying. And I'm not sure who the ape boy is. He looks like Brad Dorif quite often. <laughs> 
It's the hair. Brad it's, yeah, it's, it's film I, his I, hair and neither did he. I think yeah, Brad Dora from like Exorcist Three or something like that. I, I'm not sure, but but he does have that sort of sort of look to him. Um, but it's really it's really a weird episode where um, you you might start watching it and you get to that scene that we both grabbed both of our attentions and it doesn't even touch you and you get to the end and you're like whatever or you you might have even you you might go into it going give me an eight boy story any day of the week i need more eight boy stories well this is it you got it this is i think this is um yeah. in the end i think in the end this is a good one there were occasional moments where i was hoping eight boys pants wouldn't drop <laughs> i i know we had um we had a chat at one time where uh, we were talking about middleman and I mentioned Sinewell's plumber's crack on Wendy. I was worried that this was going to happen with Eight Boy because those pants clearly don't fit him quite the same as they did. Although whose jeans are they? Maybe okay, he's I dead. wondered that too. Okay. Because he was like three or two. He was two. I'm thinking it was just um, like stuff that recovered. He recovered from mm. the shipwreck that the apes probably recovered yes. from the shipwreck yes. and put in the trunk. And so that they were sense. probably some sailor's pants. They looked like a sailor's cut. So yeah, they were just some random like, sailor's dude's pants. I, I like the, they're, they're sailor's pants. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. The sailor's pants. Cause this would have been how, so he, so this, when is this set? This is 38, 39, something like that. Yeah. So let's say this is 39 and he was two or three and he's like 15 or 16 now. So, so, oh, okay. So, so mid, mid to early 20s mm-hmm. is what, when this happened. Okay. And the sailors have some good jeans. Hey, yeah. I, I, I like sailor's pants. There's a pair of sailor's pants floating in, sir. I see them. I see them. They're, <laughs> they're, they're cresting a wave. Sailor's pants. Um, <laughs> So 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 over, yeah. Overall, this is this is one of those episodes where, um, at the end of it, you know, Canon does that a lot for me. We, we've never, I, I've never done anything on Canon, but I've seen quite a few episodes of Canon over the past two years where I start out watching them and going, okay, that's where we're going, and then at the end of it, I'm like, yeah. Even though through chunks of it, I'm like, hmm. But this, I mean, I'm I'm so into the the gang right now. I could watch the four of them all day long. Um, so watching them here, um, doing their thing with the with the and and like two of the scenes with with Jack and and the 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 ape boy are so sweet. Mm-hmm. The, just like when he first pets him, and everything, and you can see it's um, it's a. Uh, it's really sweet, yeah. Um, so, yeah. what else do you have on this? I mean, I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that I have much more. I mean, oh, there, I mean, there are the scenes with Heinrich and um, Mr. McDowell there, whose name, whose character's name I keep forgetting. Oh, uh, um, Louis. Louis, when they're celebrating not, Bastille Day. The, the Nazi's not Heinrich; is it's Willie. Is it Willie? Why am I calling him Heinrich? Because he's a Nazi. Oh, that's that's right. That's because I think you called him that as a joke in the last one, and I. And I can't stop. I gotta write Willie down. Willie. <laughs> yes, but yeah, that's good because Louie and and Willie because they're doing Bestial Day on Tagataya and they're kind of worrying. Well, Louie's not wanting to admit that he's worrying because Jake's supposed to be delivering pate. Oh and, yes, these for the governor. Pants. Yeah, yeah. And we see him end up making a deal with a local guy named Elijah. 
Oh yeah, and that... you don't think that will come of anything, but then it comes back around at the end, which yes. I love when shows do that. And yeah. but it's cute too because later we see him, see Louis and and Willie trying to enjoy themselves, but Jake and Sarah quite. and Corky still haven't arrived, and they they're worrying over them, and it, it they're, it's like they're worrying but trying not to show that they're worrying, yes. and it's it's just. I don't know. It's kind there's, of cute, I think. It's it, there's yeah, there's a lovely scene where it comes up with the uh, like a bottle of champagne or something and pours mm-hmm. champagne for them and they drink, and then they sit down on a bench and like fold their legs at the same time, sort of in unison yes. as they're sitting there. It's really, it's really um, it, it's it's really nice. And then of course when they arrive there in the end, the legionnaires have the ape boy on the boat and they're mistreating him, and it again as with the guy who did the horrible stuff he did in the previous episode, the way he, the way these guys get caught doesn't feel sufficient to me. I feel like there should one be one more kick to the crotch or something. There yeah. isn't like, and I don't, and you don't want to do that. You want to be, I mean, remember what He-Man, you know, always said, you know, you don't, or was it He-Man? Who was it who said, you know, you don't want to go down that route. You know, you don't want to, you want to be good. You don't want to, if you go down the same route as the evil person, you can become evil. But and that's everyone, fine with me. And okay, but and but every once in a while, you want to give that bad guy one more kick to the crotch. Yeah. Well, I wanted them to turn them over to Princess Koji because she was oh, incredibly that. put out that yes. these two yes. men made a fool of her guards, and that. she was like, mm, "I'm." Yeah, because she basically said she was going to get the get the uh, ape boy back for the guy, not because he paid her to mm-hmm. or that or yeah that or that she cared but they made a fool of her guards and she wasn't gonna stand for that and i was rooting for that i'm like let toto yes. unsheathe his sword yes 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 yeah that was it's i don't know maybe um maybe i uh i, I want to see bad guys get kicked one more time just one more time it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be just the you know because because i think one of them gets hit on the head with a box and the other, he gets in a fight, and I, th- I think I think Jake punches him a few times. But there's that that one guy, that particular that big, tall, kind of goofy looking one, who's really mean to the ape boy. You think mm-hmm. he deserves an extra kick somewhere? Maybe just in the behind. Maybe he needs a good spanking. I'm not going to do it, but maybe, maybe we can off the dock. Just kick him off maybe, the dock. Maybe just one comedy fall off the dock where he's like in the water. He's like, I can't swim or something, and we can all laugh and freeze frame. <laughs> We know he's not going to drown. Uh, we know someone will get him, but we can freeze frame, you know, and we'll be fine. But um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I think, I mean, I, I think, would you agree? It's it's an epi- it's a good episode to watch, I think. It yeah. is. I think it's yeah. it's got a, it's got a better, like, emotional heart than you think it will have. Yes, yes. It's 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 much sharper than you think from when you start watching it. And I actually have on here right now. I had the scene where um, the ape boy is is petting Jack, and 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 Jake and and Sarah are watching. And the look on Sarah's face, the joy on her face as she's watching him pet Jack, is just it's it's actually it's. The DVDs don't look great, but her face looks high def right here. It's like shining yeah. out of the screen. It's like really, it's like really good. And so, so don't let the fact that the, you you'll see the apes and you're like, aren't these the apes from the pilot? And don't let the fact that some of the sets will make you go, 
are these the sets from the pilot? And know that the fact that when the apes first attack them, some of the shots are from the pilot make you think, isn't this from the pilot? Okay, that time, that time you can think it, that third time. But the other two times don't. This, this, is, this is a solid episode that uses a trope that some people love. And um, One day I hope to cover Lucan on here. Uh, you, you know the show about the boy, um, sort of the I forget what Lucan was raised by wolves, apes, mongoose. I, think, I don't remember. I think it was wolves. Was it wolves? Okay, yeah. I, think so. I, I don't I quote me, but I think so. Okay, yeah, because that's a uh, that's one of Amanda's favorites. And the next time I can I can drag her in here to join me. We're gonna talk <laughs> Lucan. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 um, I think it's it's. It, it, I think it begins strong with that scene with the ape rounding up the bananas. Then he gets attacked by other apes. And it feels very 2001 almost. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden this boy appears. And you're like, what the hell? If I hadn't seen the name Ape Boy on my DVD menu, I would have gone, <laughs> what is going on? And of course, when it came out, you wouldn't have, unless they put Ape Boy in the TV guide. Um, you you wouldn't have seen it. So, so I, I guess this is is this. Do you have any any trivia or anything on Ape Boy? Who's the Ape Boy, or who are, who are you? What's going on? Um, I don't have any trivia, but I do have. I just want to mention two lines that I absolutely loved in this this episode. And one was when the guy is talking to Princess Koji because she's rounded up his boat in her waters and she's oh. questioning him. <laughs> And she and he says, if it's money you want, and she says, oh, the key to my heart. And I'm like, same girl. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> the other one is after poor Ape Boy has basically an existential crisis because Jake is insisting that he's a person. Um, Corky says to him, well, I don't blame him. You just told the kid he's adopted. How would you feel? <laughs> yes, that's a great, that's a great line because they're all standing up there on this huge cliff edge. And Corky kind of strolls up and delivers the line very wryly, and it's, yes. it's very it's very nicely done. It's very nicely done. Yeah, it's um, it's I mean so, I mean so far we're um, I mean are we we're we're pretty much at half the halfway point, a little over the halfway point I think of the series right now, I believe, and so and I think I think we're we're going pretty strong. I have a couple of dud moments here and there, but um. This one, I think, takes a takes a um, something that we've all seen. Well, maybe not all of us. And if if you've never seen some this trope before, please enjoy on us. Mm-hmm. Kristen and I would like you to enjoy it. And this is a good one. This is a good one. Um, but uh, I'm I'm trying to think. I don't think I have anything else on this. Let me just one more scan of my notes. Um. I do like that you have the island, which is, what, half ape and half fisherman. Yes. So, like, if we can just get over the island, it's like, it's funny, I've only been to Catalina, which is near, not too far from where I live, once, and, like, half of the island is a bunch of people, the other half is kind of nothing. So, I, I always think of that, like, what if that was inhabited by apes? Hmm, I don't know, that would be a Catalina caper to remember. But, I'm I, the flashback, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, I think I'm all good. I think I'm good with Ape Boy. I think I, I'd give it a thumbs up. Um, and uh, so, so Kristen, if you don't have anything else, um, where can we find you online? 
You can find me at akakikiwrites.com. It is the home of my podcast, Bookum Dano, an old Hawaii Five-O podcast. You can also find me at my blog, kikiwritesabout.com. And if you want to catch me swinging through the jungle, you can do that by following me on Twitter at kikiwrites. Nice. And now I know <laughs> I, prom- I promised this earlier, but um, oh gosh. We're, we're getting near, near the end of Battlestar Galactica, everyone. We're in the last, uh, I think we're only three episodes from the end, but we are, I don't remember ep- what episode we're doing here, but I bet it's Austin, and I bet, I bet the Eastern Alliance is in it. Listen to this. in Terra. Yeah, I know. Uh, directed by Rod Holcomb, written by Glenn A. Larson, March 18th, uh, 1897. I'm kidding, 1979. <laughs> this is the lost episode of Battlestar Galactica from 1897. Shot by, <laughs> shot by, shot by Thomas Edison and George Millay and those guys who did that film where the train pulls into the station and everyone in the audience got up and ran away. Um... One of D.W. Griffith's earliest films, Experiment in Terra, Battlestar Galactica. So this is episode 19 of the 21 episodes, and in this one, um, the uh, basically the, the guys are out in their Vipers looking for Eastern Alliance ships, those huge, that big crystal, um, gorgeous crystal building kind of thing that looks sort of like the place where the Guardians are at the end of Enlightenment, the Doctor Who story, uh, appears, and uh, Apollo is asked to go to the planet Terra to help stop a war, impending war with the Eastern Alliance, and he's made to look like a guy named Charlie Watts, and he meets Melody Anderson, and he meets Ken Swafford, and they, um, uh, they, yeah, they have to, they have to basically stop. It's, 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 it's kind of a variation of what happens in the first episode, but this time it's, well, I'm not going to ruin it. Um, but but Starbuck eventually shows up and and there's a lot of running around and this that and the other. I'm just gonna stop there because Chris is on the other end of my loud noise. I'm gonna make in a moment. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little, I'll give you a hint of the noise I'm gonna make. It goes. Bam! I'm not gonna do the rest right now. I'll do I'll do the second half of that when I'm done. Apologizing for the bad sound on my end on this recording. I will just say this. Every, the first time I ever did a podcast recording from, from my laptop, the first time I ever did a podcast recording was in a studio, the Killer POV podcast. Remember that? I was talking with Rebecca, Rob, and Elric about Bleeding Skull, the 1980s book. And the first time I ever did this my, myself with uh, Podcast Mania, hosted by Charlie Brown, the mother effing Browns, who joined me here from Manimal. Hey, and Melody Anderson is in this. Um, I didn't have a mic. So my son, the sound came through the mic that's on the laptop, and frankly, that stinks. The sound stinks. So I bought a mic, and I use the mic, and I always test it. If I'm going on Skype, 
which is where I did the Battlestar Galactica recordings, I always test it twice. Now, unfortunately, I had put on, I was working, and I had put my, my day job working, and the recording we were doing was at 5. At 3, I put the laptop on. There was a Skype update. I did the Skype update, and but then work got, got uh, the better of me, and I wasn't able to get back on the computer until about 5 minutes before 5, and Chris was already waiting. So I did one quick test instead of two. Instead of putting in Audacity and checking the levels, what I did was I just hit play for Windows Media Player or whatever the heck comes up on my computer when you just hit play on an MP3 file. And I just listened to it briefly to make sure you could hear the sound in both channels. It sounded fine, and we recorded. It was only a few minutes ago when I began to piece this episode together that I realized that I should have double-checked because my mic wasn't hooked in properly and I believe you're getting the sound through the speaker on the laptop, which sounds like crap. So Christopher sounds brilliant, as always. Uh, There's a little home by the sea. And uh, me, however, my sound sounds like crap. I was able to bring it down slightly, but it's, um, it's way over. It's way in the red. It's way in the red. And when you get sound constantly in the red, you either re-record it. We're not going to do that. Or you, you, all you can do is bring it down a little because when the sound is like this, it's terrible. You can do this, it still sounds terrible, it just isn't as loud. So, I apologize. Um, the next three, the last three Battlestar Galactica, my sound is going to be rotten. I apologize if you listen to it and it really sounds and you can't handle it, then I'll see if there's something I can do before the next one goes up. Um, what is the next one? Take the Celestra. Uh, but but um, if if I'm hoping it's okay, and again I'm gonna stop apologizing, and I'm gonna make a noise right here, and we'll go right into the recording, and you'll hear it. You'll hear the sound difference right after I make this note. Bomp. Melody Anderson from Manimal is an experiment in Terra, which is where oh oh Ken Swafford is in this too. This is a very late episode of Battlestar Galactica. And I am, of course, as always, here with the great Christopher Bly. I call him Dr. Principal Christopher Bly. How are you, <laughs> sir? I'm pretty good. I have to say also, too, about this episode, there is no Glenn Ford, and there is no <laughs> Stephanie Powers, and there no. is no uh, Lee Remick. So, guys, there's no confusion with uh, the, ep- the movie of the same name. None of those three are in this, this episode. Yes, the- this is a um, this is one of those times where you think, you know, um, do you remember the do you remember that story where um, uh, uh, Glenn A. Larson walked on the set of Rockford Files, which I've been watching a lot of lately, and James Garner saw him and punched him in the face, and he did that because one of the episodes of Quincy ripped off a J- uh, Rockford Files episode. And he sets those people off all the time. I mean, first Klugman, now him. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's, so, a, he's a punching so, bag, but a punching bag that gets the last laugh. So yeah, exactly. So so right here we have experiment in Terra, which is possibly a pun that Glenn A. Larson should be arrested for, <laughs> if there were a comedy jail, but there isn't. And this is following up on the Eastern Alliance and the Terra stuff that we've seen in previous episodes. So, um, so, so, so it's fun. I, I didn't, I, 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 um, 
I, I've said before that I, I've only watched the show previously in the background as I was doing um, writing or doing um, uh, typing and junk. Um, uh, you know, you do accounting in the background. You have fun stuff in the foreground. No, wait, the other way around. No, no, that's uh, shut up. <laughs> um, but but I, I so I've gone through this episode at least four or five times. But this is really the first time I've sat down and watched it and gone, oh, that's what's happening here. And I want to say, I want to ask Dr. Principal Staff Sergeant Christopher Bly what he... Oh, Chris, did I introduce you? Are you okay? Uh, you did You did introduce me. Yes, oh, did. okay. Oh, all right. I thought I just said dumb things around your name. No, I'm, it's just... <laughs> you, you, kept, you kept it within there. It's, okay. <laughs> what did you think about this one? Okay, this was interesting. Um, I'm watching it. My first... You know, of course, you watch the promo and it's like... People of white, people of white, white uniforms. A glowing light blue vehicle. Space Scott Gestapo has returned, and Knight Rider regular and canon guest star Edward Mulhair comes on to this episode. Of course, you find out there's two other gifts, which is Nehemiah Persoff and Melody Anderson. Yes. Which I I also remember, of course, from a little movie called uh, Flash Gordon. Um, oh, forever. Yeah, yeah. Flashed. Ah, now, saved every one of us. I'll shut up. I watched this episode, and I'm kind of thinking, like, you know, because remember, this was kind of towards the t- pretty much the, like the tail end of the run. And I said, you know, I feel like, you know, every time we have certain episodes, we don't use every character, but we try to bring somebody else in new, either to plant the seed for future or do something with. And here, I kind of felt like. I kind of always think of the the trope that doesn't work on a lot of shows, which is the, you know, oh, I'm being guided by an angel, and this angel is going to kind of guide me over to this place and to that place, and we're going to do this. I really felt like this episode was kind of like Battlestar Galactica's version of Heaven Can Wait, in a way. Oh, yeah, the year after, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was about the year after. And not only that, I said, you know, I look at Edward Mulher, and, and every time he's popping up, I can't tell if he's trying to be the angel or if he's trying to be like the great Gazoo over from um, from the Flintstones. <laughs> from Flintstones, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But also the other other thing that comes out of it too is I also thought this was not an episode. This was written by Glenna A. Larson, and it's not a Donald Belisario uh, episode. But the funny thing about it is that there was some kind of a a quantum leap thing going here with the fact that he's assuming another identity, and everybody see, looks at this guy thinking that it's that person. That's exactly and, what I thought, yes. And I'm going like, geez Louise, I said like, oh, he must have kept this in his uh, back pocket there, you know, for, for future reference, you know, particularly even if it didn't have his name on it. And, uh, but, you know, of course, you're still an associate producer, but somewhere along the line, you have to think that there was a uh, kind of something in the DNA, and Apollo, he gets audio attacked. wasn't so much that he got attacked literally with his uh, Viper. He gets, you know, it's, it gets so loud, he goes into this other place. You know, it's... And it's crazy. And then, yeah, uh, yeah. The People of White, is I like yes, to Yes, yes. It hurts. I can't hear. Or he's yelling. It's like, uh, what? Like, Apollo, just let it ride. Let it ride. We'll find out what's going on. Yeah. The, the people of light can't be seen by others. Like I said, once again, we're taking like the angel thing. And I mean, you look at all these things. I mean, like Twilight Zone tried an angel show, and that didn't work. You know, unfortunately, that and Carol Burnett in it. And you know, they go like, oh, I felt like there was some kind of a backdoor pilot 
kind of feel to this in a way. Like, oh, we can bring this one back, and we can bring this angel coming back to all the universe. Ironically, Channel ABC also had another show that was kind of like an angel show at that point that was a spinoff of um, oh boy. Rick and Mindy called Out of the Blue. Yay! That so was. I, I kind of feel like that was kind of like the vibe going around, mm-hmm. saying like, "Oh, you know, let's let's bring this idea back," you know, and yes. somehow it got within to Battlestar Galactica. So. I, I think I think well, out of the out of the blue is is interesting because it was it is a very contested thing in uh, TV historian discussions, which I, I I don't take part in because I have a life. Um, I, um, but, but, but one of the the discussions is, um, that out of the blue, the angel in it, whose name I forget, he appears in an episode of Happy Days helping Chachi the same week that the show premieres, but, (laughs) but because of a schedule mix up, the show premieres before Chachi helps him. So, yeah, so we don't know if it's. Is it a spinoff, or is it a what the hell would you call it then? If it, if if uh, backdoor pilot, you know, something then, no, well, because like I I think what it is is like out out of the blue began like like a, appeared on a Friday, and then on the next Tuesday, the angel appears with Chachi on out of the blue, mm. and so it's 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 a weird one. And, yeah, and the, the angel's name is Random, by the way. Yes, exactly, yeah. And, and the show only ran for about eight episodes, which, I mean, Joni Lovchachi only ran for about six more, eight more episodes. So it's not well, that's, like... That's, that's kind of like a hell of a Battle of the Network stars tug of war right yeah, there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. But oh. at, the same, at the same time, too, they had four episodes that never aired. So I'm always wondering... That's true, gonna, that's true, yeah. You know, it's one of those things where... A couple of shows were like that, where, you you know, the, you know, someone's that they said, oh, we we made this amount, and only a few of those. And it's like, you wonder what yes. those other episodes were like, or what availability maybe there was. Yeah, maybe there was ABC the best. ABC was in a very interesting spot during that time while Galactica was going on. Yes, And a lot yes. of ideas were going into the mind. So I think yeah. some of that kind of came over to this episode that we're on with Experiment and Terror, mm-hmm. which... Um, and like I said, the 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 people of white, you know, yes. with whites on them. And and I, I the thing I love about the John character is that he is he's he's very much like the uh, sort of watcher from the mm. Marvel comics, um, but uh, not as large and not as bald. Mm. <laughs> but certainly plenty of hair. You know, I mean, he's Edward Mulhair. Yes. By the way, also maybe also kind of playing on another show that he did in the past, which was the Ghost of Mrs. Muir. Oh hell yeah! Okay, yes, all right. So I think that I, might have been the inspired casting mm-hmm. as to yes. why they put him into this role. It's like, okay, yes. we know that nobody could see you, so you could kind of do this in an intergalactic sort of way and as he, well. Yeah, and he like at the end when he's talking to both Starbuck and Apollo as they're trying to arrange something. You know, well, it's, it's like to the who, uniform. Who are you he's talking just like, to? Well, if it goes back to normal, you know, there's a problem. Yes, yes, and I, I love the fact that they made these white uniforms for Starbuck and Apollo just for this. Are they sure they didn't rip it off of the Superman the movie set? Because it kind of looks a little <laughs> to me. Maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe they were like, "Hey, can you, hey, can we give you a couple of the uniforms? You can white them out for us." Make them want. Oh, never mind. We've got. We've, we've we got. We got, want it, we got. We got some here. We got some here. Mar- Marlin isn't wearing them. 
What are you saying? I'm not. What? What's going on? No, Marlon, you're not wearing these. These are for. These are for and, Starbuck and, and Apollo. The identity that uh, Apollo assumes in this episode is Charlie oh, Watts. Yes. Which I go like, that's yeah, electricity by Rolling Stones right there. Oh my gosh! Every time I heard that, I just heard the beginning of Honky Tonk Woman. <laughs> the cowbell and the drums building up, and I was like. Oh, Charlie, we love you. I'm, th- I'm thinking a little mix of either emotional rescue or, you know, uh, oh, yeah. goat's head soup. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. It, it, folks, you, you can't go wrong. Uh, Charlie played on so many. Charlie played on so many. Do um. Well, no, he didn't do the percussion on Sympathy for the Devil, but he did, he did a lot of great stuff. Oh, sure. God rest his soul. Not, yes. But yeah. um, but somehow that name pops up in this Galactica. Episode. How does that, yeah, how does Charlie, it's funny that he chose Charlie Watts, because that, that's a very specific name, but well, it's also kind of like a very a, specific name that, in 1979, I mean, that's in between Some Girls and Emotional Rescue, and Some Girls was a huge album, and they did a huge tour on that. Mm. So there would have been, like, for every child who was like, Charlie Watts, there would have been a mom or dad who was like, yeah, don't, don't. It kind of more hinted, I think, at the electricity factor of that kind of what. what? I think because you know we're dealing with, like I said, the people of white with light. You know, it's yes. and I think it kind of more went into the electricity kind of it. And also too, we started to notice once again a lot of the exteriors that we would get to know on Buck Rogers, another Larson oh, movie yes, show. Oh yes, yes. And they and they had a th- what was it? The interesting thing is that there's um. There's, and they have a lot of things going on. There's an unusual signal that Colonel Ty sees. They can't seem to find Apollo, and but they have this this kind of way of contact to kind of get in touch with. It's like you know, this also this uh, recording that they have. And it's like if I don't come back with this one, this is how you communicate with me. And somehow mm-hmm. I'm going to try to communicate with you. Yes. Almost sounds like Tron with the users trying to get mm-hmm, the computer mm-hmm, to get the MCP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's um because he gets. I mean, I, I'm, the thing. One of the things I love about this episode is that it really it brings back the huge Crystal Palace thing mm. that that, that... envelops um, Apollo, and and he's suddenly in white, and John is there, and John has that great condescending thing where he's like, "Well, I'd love to help you, but you know we're so advanced that uh, you know we don't do that anymore." Yeah, so it's kind of like, you know, these are literally people who like to put people walking the plank. Yes, exactly. It reminds me of um, the uh, Lost Skeleton Cadaver, uh, the Larry <laughs> Lamire film. You know, what, was it the Marvins? Or, oh, I, I forget what the, 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 the race is called, where it's like throughout the movie, it's like, oh, well, let's go for a walk. Oh, a walk. We gave up walkings eons ago. You know, it's just like everything. Oh, eating? We gave up eating, eating eons ago, and it's just this this uh, this very advanced race that gave up everything that we do eons ago. And you yeah. wonder how how do you live? Mm. And John here basically says that he does say that he's not real. He's an um, he's a um, an illusion. He's in uh, um uh, not not that and. Um, a mirror, a mirror reflection, a reflection of himself, mirror reflection of himself, and which is kind of cool because, but at the same time, it's like um, it reminded me very much of the Watcher, from like the Marvel comics, um, because there which, is by the way, just recently got 
put on an episode, or I should say, the entire run of the show, a show that they do, do on one of those streaming channels called What If. Oh yes, yeah. It's uh, the Watchers is the is the guy on there. Or? Is the narrator? It's the great Jeffrey oh. Wright does the the voice. Oh, oh god! I think you could have asked for a better person. Anyway, <sighs> but in relating to that Watcher on Battlestar Galactica here, you know, basically, mm-hmm. you know, the they have now a corrupt president in yes. this within this world, and the corrupt president looks like a junior version of Caesar Romero for some reason. He does. He doesn't look. He doesn't look. He looks grown up, but not quite grown up. There's something weird about his outfit. And basically, we're dealing with uh, a Cylon free universe right now at this point. So it's basically which is really weird. Show, yeah, which trying is, to figure yeah. out what other species can we bring bring to life here besides the Cylons, you know, mm-hmm. and basically. They tried to have this other Terra bunch, you know, the in there. Alliance, yeah. Yeah, and it's like the danger of the Presidium, or it's going to be the end of human civilization. Every time I hear that, I keep on saying, at the end of human civilization, I think, like, and the world will belong to a planet of apes. You know, like, <laughs> at the time, I said, that's how I like to always finish it, because it just all I can think of is go back to the fourth planet of the ape movie, because that line is just yes. so... You know, on and it's just you just let it to you know what could be the end of civilization, and you know Starbuck and Boomer and Jolly they try to follow into Apollo's trail to Terra, and they like to set the lasers to stun at least. Star, um, yes, there there is a there is a very fun scene, and is that forgive me is that Q? Yeah, John Delancey is an officer of this one. He he he. So 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 Starbuck is behind his ship the. Uh, and he's gonna. He doesn't want to fire them. There are nine of him, nine of them, and one of him. And the guy comes out and says, "Hey, you're not gonna beat us." And he shoots them pretty quick. But the main guy from Terra is Q. And all you can amazing. think is, "Wait a minute!" In um, uh, what this is 1979. In seven years, you're going to be <laughs> as um, omnipresent as the John character, but more obnoxious. And even even fewer years, he'd end up on Days of Our Lives. True, of course, yes, of course. So yeah, so there's got to be some soap into that, and of course, <laughs> this this one had the uh, catchphrase that went all over the world in this episode, which is "Holy frack!" Holy frack, yeah. There's no frack. There's no right. Once again, we got like Batman elements and Star Trek elements. You would yes. swear that this episode was in the '60s, yeah. and they used so much light blue that you would swear it's in the '90s. So it's kind of a <laughs> It's a weird. It's a it's it's a weird it's a weird episode because it feels if it feels back in time it feels this time it feels a little forward it feels a lot forward and it also stars um, Ken Swafford who Ken Swafford who I know best as being um uh uh what what is his name from Ellery Queen. Um, oh yes, uh, not sure of his name, but I. Geez, Frank Finley from... is it Finley? I I feel like he's the reporter in Ellery Queen. I, I know him best in a couple of things. The dad he was on a great episode of Columbo with Jackie oh, yes. Cooper. Yeah, oh yes, uh, the he uh, the a regular on Fame yeah. mm-hmm. at one point. Uh, he was one of the instructors, mm-hmm. and uh, most importantly, he's the studio security guard in one of my favorite. The, I say the funniest movie about Hollywood ever, which is Sob. <laughs> oh yes, you could be right. Yep, yeah, he, yeah, he's in there, and he's also um, he's also the dad, dad's boss in the first season of the Wonder Years. There's oh, an yeah. there's an episode in the first season of the Wonder Years where they talk about why does the dad come home from eight hours in the office, go into a dark room, smoke a cigar, drink some booze, 
and just sit there until dinner is ready. And then the the main kid goes with him into the office, and Ken Swafford is the boss who basically yells and demeans the dad all day long. So and, but, so when he comes home, he's like, okay, dad, I get it. And here he gets to play another dad in this. Uh, yeah. He's yes. the dad of Melody Anderson in this. I who at first is identified as amnesia. <laughs> that's a funny, I think that's a good moment. Yeah. Yeah, she has a Brenda, you know, so basically she gets to be the friend of Elizabeth Shue and eventually she's a babysitting. That's all another story. <laughs> I, but, yeah, I, I, haven't, I haven't known a Brenda in ages. Have you ever known a Brenda? Uh, besides 90210? Jeez. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just realized, back in, back in um, 1985 or 86 when I was in Boy Scout camp, my, my girlfriend for the week when I was in Boy Scout camp was named Brenda. Oh, they, uh, we were like course, you know we were like thirteen or fourteen, and and we had it we had we had as good a time as a thirteen or fourteen year old who don't know what to do when a thirteen and fourteen year old like each other do, yeah. but we had time we had a good time. She yeah, and then what was it? But then they got to the what was it? The elements here are almost replicating the pilot in a way so oh, like, yes, yes. oh we're gonna have a new terms and we got everything okay guys set your weapons because you know you know they're gonna agree to it once they agree to it take your aim and fire you know mm -hmm. and, and somehow we just for i guess groping of a story we had to attach the space gestapo yes to, led by uh a guy who lived to be a hundred nehemiah Persaw. Oh also, yes, they were. Yes, they were. Also on an awesome, awesome episode of Columbo, where Jack Cassidy plays a magician. Fantastic. <laughs> yes, it is a great episode. Yeah, unfortunately, now Hawaii Persoff turns out to be the victim. Yeah. So and he's, he's been in so many. Another guy that is so, in so many other stuff. You'll uh, know him Dalton. when you see him. Yeah. Yeah. If you watch yet, oh no, and also too, he was the rabbi on Barney Miller too. Uh, oh yeah. So, yes, yeah, so, like right. I said, he's another one of those actors like Ken Swafford that is just a character effort that's you know. almost all over the place. And you know, you definitely know him if you've watched television for even two years. <laughs> Somewhere yeah, he pops you, up on that. Yeah, Ken, Ken Swafford is one of those guys who always looks like he's, um, um, he's, he, he always looks like he's just yelled at someone. Because yeah, he's always like a little like he just red. Got out of bed too at the same time. Yeah, yeah. He always his face is a little red. I what is his Frank? Frank something is his Ellery Queen character. He's a reporter in Ellery Queen, and he's so great because you have the guy from Magnum PI is Ellery's other a nemesis in that Ellery Queen show. That uh, might John, Hel John Hellman. Yes, yes, yes. John the other guy who was all over the place both. On the small screen and yes. on the big screen before He's Magnum so P.I. came out. I mean, so I, many I, references there. So. Yes, I didn't write either of their names down. I'll remember them in the next episode we talk about. But but you, you all heard, we did, uh, my, my, my wife and I, Madeline, we did Ellery Queen, oh, good Lord, like two years ago. Oh, Frank Flanagan was his name. Frank Flanagan, yes. Oh, my gosh, he's the, he's the newspaper reporter. He's such a, he's a beautiful douchebag. He is... <laughs> He is, he is he is so good in that, that role. You see him and you're just like you love him and there's there's a moment I forget I think it's the the episode where there the guy the newspaper publisher dies in the elevator where Ellery and his dad are leaving late at night and they pass by um, someone who's looking at a uh, 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 display on the wall and I forget I think they ask him what time it is and the person says 
oh, it's uh, 1.30. And, and they go, thank you. And then you take two steps and they're like, Flanagan? And then he turns and he's like pretending to be a Russian guy. And he's just like, he's, he's so good. And it's just like, <laughs> I love Battlestar Galactica, but Ellery okay. Queen. You, the moment you bring on Ken Swafford, he's not in this much, but he, I think he's very good in this. Um, he, sure. um, uh, he's, it's, it's funny cause I forgot to mention what I thought of this episode. Yeah. And Be- you know, he gets used to the fact that he's yeah. Apollo, you know, uh, yeah. basically instead of the other name of Charlie Watts, you know, yes. he, I mean, basically he becomes Jack Warden basically accepting the fact that he's this other name. And it's like, you know, yeah. it's even though he kind of knows one thing is the other vice versa, it's kind of like that. And then what is it? Basically. They make the deal, and then the the, the, the the Gestapo decides to shoot the missiles. You see so much stock yes. footage of missiling going off there. Yes, yes, you think. The you o- think. And the only thing that's missing is Bob Denver and Chuck McKenna. <laughs> I was going to say, being a Doctor Who fan, there are, some, <laughs> there are some episodes around this time when they fire rockets where you see stock footage of these rockets. And you're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that roll. <laughs> I'm going to let that go. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's about time. Yeah, and also, Nehemiah Persoff has one of my favorite lines in this episode. He's basically the, 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 the Gestapo version of Baltar. Yes, exa- exactly. And, and, and there's then, no Lloyd like, Bosner, because, which is weird. And he, says, he, he asks the question, and they, somebody responds, uh, uh, he says, well, what does uh, uh, mean? You know what I mean? Yes, that's right. <laughs> He's but, on it. Just, just crap. But the, basically, the entire solution that they come up with, with everything that they've had there, is somehow... The Galactica comes up with this like green glow laser that basically that, defends all of the that basically takes off all these missiles no matter how they fired it doesn't hit a thing. Yes, basically. it's it's actually it's it's one of those um it's one of those sort of endings or resolutions that is either depending upon how you feel is either a bit too pat or it's quite gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, it's and it's your choice. A little bit of both. It's your choice. Yeah, it's your choice on it because when I've seen it before, I sat and watched it last night intently and wrote notes. Here are my notes. Um, Missiles. uh, Oh, Jerry Paris. Now, I wrote Jerry Paris down because there's a shot in um, in uh, in Melody Anderson's apartment. Okay. Where um, I think um, Apollo and Ken Swafford, I think, are sitting in the foreground. And <laughs> we can see so much of the background that if you look up in the top right corner, you can see the edge of the set. <laughs> and to me, and I think if you watch it widescreen, you might you might see less. But you might see more, actually. I didn't watch it widescreen. I just watched it full screen, uh, one, uh, 133. Um, uh, but, but that's, I put Jerry Paris because the thing with Jerry Paris is that if you watch Happy Days and he directed, uh, 225 of the 250 episodes of Happy Days, Perry Days, Paris Days, I was going to say, um, the deeper you get into Happy Days, the more you can see, um, the edge of the sets in the foreground, the more you can see there's one sequence where they do a, um, uh, happy happy anniversary where you can see um, um, uh, light equipment like in the left hand corner but and if of course you, this is a Fonzie side apartment too yeah if, if you look up in the top 
right hand screen, you can see the top of the set a lot <laughs> as the show a lot. I mean, a lot as the show goes along. In fact, so much so that it becomes sort of a regular thing. So it's not like so. So when when I saw it here, I was like, "Oh, Jerry Paris directed this," but he didn't. Um, but but that's um, but but that's uh, but this was this would have been the same time he did that. Well, yeah, it's thing. basically so. Larson decided to go for a Paris aesthetic, and that's basically he, he's going for the Paris aesthetic. He he wants the um, he wants the big the big set, the huge space. Mm. But there and and. In, in some shows and things, and I think some episodes of this, you got that, but um, I think right here, you don't quite get that. Because, like, in the corner, there's that thing where you're like, okay, I think that's the edge of a set. Eh, I'm okay. Maybe that's where she lives. I don't know. I, I always like to think of it as, like, um, I don't know. You know, like... If I was in the 50s or 60s in Milwaukee, I would be like, something's wrong. But uh-huh. wherever this is, takes place, maybe that's the way it looks. I don't know. Shut up. I can't, I can't, I can't say. So So what What else do you have on this one? I'm going to look at my notes. Uh, well, basically after that, uh, I have, uh, the mission is complete, but there's no answers. But I kept on feeling there's going to be a backdoor pilot to this at some point there. Oh, yeah, sort of uh, set up for that world. Yeah, least, either that we're going to come back to this, or there's a there's a, uh, a seed to, that needs to be planted there. So, okay, I I um I should kind of I, I was gonna I thought of this when I watched the uh, last episode, two episodes mm-hmm. from now. But I feel like they're sort of setting up setting up things for what it would have been in the second season. Because there's a great moment in this where John takes um, Apollo to Terra. And you look at Terra and you're like, I think that's Earth, I think. Oh, yeah, and he says, like, oh, oh, but it has, like, the cat... When I said the angel, I said, well, it has the capper last line before we get to the infamous uh, Adama exit. Mm -hmm. Because, like, uh, it goes, like, oh, you think this... At one point he says... Heavens no! Yes. There's your hint right there. Yes, that's exactly where right at the very end, as they're leaving, Apollo says to John, "Is, is this, this Earth? Earth, Earth?" And he says, "No, it's not." But you're like, it, it, "It isn't." And and they have there's a brief moment, and it's just like, I I, I think I think at this moment, I, I so I'm gonna work off of this right now. I know there are only two episodes left, and then we go into Galactica 1980, which is ten episodes, I think. So I'm gonna I'm gonna work off of this point, saying that we are large and in charge. We're setting up a universe here, <laughs> and so to me, at that point, when John says no, John knows exactly where Earth is. He knows exactly where there's go- they're going. He knows exactly what's happening. This was the same season of television and then I'll stop talking um, uh, this is 78 79 this is the 16th season of Doctor Who uh-huh. where Doctor Who did the key to key to time and the key to time Doctor Who season was one story that took place over 26 half hour episodes 
and it was the Dr. Romana who was smarter than the doctor, which is part of the fun of the season, and the second canine hunting the six segments of the key to time. To And the six segments of the key to time, you put them together, and you just need a moment to realign the universe. Because the, if you look at, if you think of it this way, like if you're in a house and your house is lovely and you don't clean the house for three months, it's starting to look like crap. Yeah. So the key to time is the universe version of that. After thousands of years, the universe is entropy, decay. So the key to time needs to be put together and the the universe just needs to be sort of rebooted, reset. Not like rebooted like in the Big Bang, the Matt Smith episode. Um, or, or the regeneration, basically. Yeah, you know? yeah, it, it just needs to be rebooted. And so the 18th, 19th season begins with the Doctor landing in a space that's nowhere. That's a little island alongside a, a little pond. And there's a guy with a beard and a mustache and a white hat and a drink who invites the doctor to sit down and says please re collect the key to time segments which have been scattered across the universe because we need to reset the universe because it's gone out of place mm. I'm surprised day. you didn't come across the two bums that uh, were trying to eat uh, Bugs Bunny on that island you know, when they <laughs> That's all I can think of when I hear, like, they're on a small island, and you get those two that are kind of have, like, the, the, the visions of the food and stuff Yes, like yeah, and, and, and so, the, so the doctor says, well, well, the doctor says, I'm not interested, but then this person says, okay, well, then nothing will ever happen to you again. Mm. And the doctor says, ever? And the guy nods and says, ever. He says, okay. So the guy gives him a tracker, and for the next 26 episodes... They hunt down he and Romana, who is a time time lady. He's a time lord, and canine the second canine hunt down the six segments of the key to time across the universe. And at least one of the stories is written by Douglas Adams, which Aha. is which is fantastic. Died, yeah. The Pirate Planet, and two of them are written by Robert Holmes, who's my favorite Doctor Who writer. And mm. and one of them is a gothic story about stones that um, stones. Um, from a stone circle that come to life and drink blood. And one of them is about... It's a remake of The Prisoner of Zenda. And it's just that one of them is about a, a planet that jumps around the universe absorbing the life forces of other planets. And it's fun. It's a fun season. But, um, but the guy, John, in this is very much like... And this is the same exact year. So this is the same time. John is very much God, like this character who's the white guardian who tells the doctor, do this in this. So so that's kind of why I like this, because it's like... Yeah, I, was, I, is this uh, Pertwee was uh, the, the it, doctor? Tom, Tom Baker was the doctor. Oh, it was Baker, so, okay. So yes. Doctor, so. Yeah, and it was Tom Baker and Mary Tam was Romana, the first Romana, the, the brunette Romana, and the second canine joined them. And so it was like, it was weird that like, in Britain, a few months before this, Doctor Who was doing something where a god, in quotes, character, sent their main character off to assemble a key that would save the universe. And in here, there is a sort of god that is sending 
our characters around to make things okay. So, so one might have seen one of the one saw the other, or vice versa, right there for this one. Yeah, yeah, it's um. I mean, obviously, the the Doctor Who thing is twenty six episodes, and this is just one, but it's fun. It's a fun episode. I think it's a pretty good episode. Um, did you have what else do you have on this one? I think I'm, I'm uh, kind of done. I, I think I'm pretty good on that one. I think I think that's just about um, just about um, finishing the experiment, you know, without, yes. without it being too terror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Experiment and Terra. Come on, Glennie Larson. You're gonna you're you're gonna be fine for that one. That's um that's a that's a pun that we all love. So let's um so 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 let's um so let's so oh gosh. We've only got two episodes left. I didn't mention how much I love Melody Anderson. Of course, yes. Just a, she, just a, absolutely cute, and uh, Mel- basically have her as her eye on. I think a couple of the guys there amongst that. You know, just she's well. She's she's in a, she's our main lady from Manimal, which is mm. another, another Glenn A. Larson show that um, um, uh, Charlie Brown, the mother F and Browns, and I talked about a few years ago, <laughs> and and um, and I will say the the joy of when when Charlie and I talked about it is we were able to expand Manimal from eight episodes to about four seasons. Interesting. And Melody Anderson was there the whole time because we adore her. So it's great uh, to see her. And it, it is interesting, too, that when we see her immediately, she's in like a, I'll put it in quotes, futuristic car, but she's talking and acting and kind of dressed like a woman from 1979. Yeah, she was basically a suburbanite that ends up becoming exactly, a ex- Exactly. Yeah. That, that's one of the interesting things of this. I'm going to stop talking right now, but I'm going to say that in some way, this episode, Terra, here, adjusted, might be a um, setup for a show called Galactica 1980. Mm, but I don't know if it is. also, by the way, is 10 episodes. By the way. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know for certain, but the way they set up this episode, like, Ken Swafford, when he's uh, talking in front of the tribunal, and he's just wearing a really nice green sweater. Hey, why not? You know, it's like, it's not, we're not futuristic. You know, I'm just wearing a fun sweater. You know, dude, come on. So, so, I, but I'm going to, I'm not going to talk about Galactica 1980 until two episodes from now. Right now, I want to say Mr. Chris to first. What um where are you? How are you? What are you doing? Do you want to talk to me about this episode? Or do you want to tell us what you're doing? Uh, what what I'm doing? Basically, yes. uh, the episode was was pretty good, and it was yeah. not not. I mean, like I said, it's a decent episode, grabbing as much as po- as possible. You know, almost more like the the money maze. But you know, but basically, it was um one of those episodes that was uh, intriguing to see um uh this area. Of the of the universe, mm-hmm. I said. Well, there's like I said, there's it's, there's not much darkness in it. Let's put it to you that way. Yeah. And none of the women are in there too. If you notice, there like there's no Loretta oh, yeah. Spring. There's no yes. I mean, there's Jansen. We would no Sheba, no Cassiopeia. Yeah, yeah. Going to become the face on the milk carton, basically. <laughs> and I I, th- I I think it was just a case where uh, we learned that uh, Apollo. Uh, I guess uh, traded up of sorts, but we're going to learn that within the next couple of episodes. Here, so yes, yes, we will. So, um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's it's funny. It's an it's it's an episode that I I really enjoy until it settles into what it is. Yeah. Then then once it is like 
okay, like you mentioned, Quantum Leap kind of thing. You know, it's like, we're, we're going there, I'm like, oh, okay, couldn't we have done something a little more interesting? But then yeah. at the end, when they're firing the missiles back and forth and the Galactica is shooting the missiles down, I like that. Mm. I think that's... Yeah, like I said, there's a really nice green glow around that planet there. Yes. You know, which I think to me is pretty neat. It's, there's a nice sort of sharpness to that. And mm. I, I don't dislike any of the actors in it. I think all the oh, actors are excellent. Yeah. So I, I, just, I just think that when you when you settle down into what the episode is going to be about, or, or what the... Not what the episode is going to be about, I'm sorry. what How the episode is going to go about what it's about. Mm. You think, eh... I wish it would have done it better than this. Right. But that's, I that's, don't that's, I don't I dislike it. I don't dislike it though. Yeah, but at the same time you, you know that you know it's like it's just it doesn't go as I like to say it doesn't go beyond good. No, which means it's not exactly. great. It's exactly. not excellent. It's just kind of like it just stays it, on one level and really doesn't like break out into another. Yes, I, I think like if you were watching this when it originally aired, you would have watched it and thought, Oh, the Eastern Alliance well, if you would remember them, I, I don't know that I would have. But but maybe if the Eastern Alliance is back, okay, that's an expansion of this. And this is a planet that's like Earth that's being attacked by them. So maybe yeah, and, Earth is nearby and they're going to get attacked. Yeah, and the Eastern Alliance is basically the Gestapo. So I'm going Gestapo, like, okay. Yeah. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't, the name doesn't fit. You know, like they could have, had, well, I guess they figured, well, we can't call them... Nazis, we can't call yeah, them the exactly. Third Reich. We can't go exactly. You know, yeah, we, we, we can't. We could have called them called the um, the dark. We can't call it the dark side because you know Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars ripped that. Like, yeah, Star Wars Alliance, got that. You know, like you know, well, it's not exactly the flight that just go, goes right to Florida, but you know, there you go. So. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You know, it's like, oh, oh, here's the Darth Vader group. No, damn it, we can't do that either. What? What? Oh, you're out of that one. <laughs> oh, we, uh, but but it's it's an interesting episode because I love it because it. it if the show had gone on for seasons after this, this expands the universe beautifully. Mm. But because we've only have two episodes left, and the Galactica nineteen eighty is so specific, it ends up feeling a bit like, eh, that's okay. It's kind of like a meh kind of episode. It, it is, and that's too bad not, not because worst, everyone's trying. You like the people, you like the people in it. But the material kind of leaves a little bit to be desired. Yes, exactly. So, so uh, do you have anything else on this? We talk a lot on this yeah, one. This is, um, yeah, it, yeah, a lot on this experiment. But the conclusion is basically uh, what we've kind of yeah, summed up. Right? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> and our our suits are still white. Is what I'm going to say. Uh, I'm looking my sparkling and some uh, yes, yeah, exactly. And I can see Christopher on on Skype here, and his suit is still white. So we're not we're not at the end of our discussion here, folks. Yeah, that's that's and that's not the bleach talking. And may I just say, he looks good. Mm. All right. So what else do you have on this one, Chris? That's pretty much it. Oh. I'm pretty good on that on this one there. All right, uh, uh, where are you online, and where am I? Where am I? Why is it so cold here? No, I'm kidding. Um, where, 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 where are you? I'm in the basement. I'm in Barbarian. I'm in a basement, <laughs> and it hurts. No, yeah. um, where where are you? Uh, where are you? What are you doing? Uh, well, basically, uh, on online, I happen to be. You guys could find me on Facebook, uh, Facebook.com/slash Captain Bly. I do a thing called First View, which happens to be a movie a day uh, reviews yes. of films I'm seeing for the first time. We just finished uh, last week our summer forecast where we got through 
100 movies of the 70s, 80s, and 90s, uh, which uh, we didn't know if we were going to get through it or uh, <laughs> if we would have enough. But sure enough, uh, once we got to Labor Day, um, the number came up that way. And, you know, we're kind of mixing in a lot of the old with the new. Um, like I said, you know, we've had a couple. We even just did a review. How about this? A, uh, a review of a Rick Springfield concert uh movie that kind of mixes in some of his videos along with one of his concerts at the same Where's time that from like 83 uh, 82 83 85 like that? Oh, 85 and it was uh, basically uh the beginning of a director that Rick Springfield gave his big break to Oh my gosh Martin Scorsese No Oh <laughs> Oh my gosh Kurosawa How about David Fincher Shut up yeah. Really David I didn't know that. Came along like between the Living in Oz and Tao album, wow. he uh, did the videos for Dance This World Away, uh, um, Celebrate Youth, and um, what uh, was it? Um, a State of the Heart, oh. and uh, the, and also he does an incredible video for Bop to You Drop, which is basically kind of like the sci-fi adventure starring Rick Springfield, <laughs> uh, kind of more po post-apocalyptic and not exactly Zach from this very show that we talk about here um, for one episode. To, oh, yes. Uh, yeah. It's one of the most memorable yells of all time. And any of we that, miss you, Rick. You. Yeah. But, uh, but it, it showed a bit of, of uh, uh, Venture's vision, particularly the, celebra the uh, Celebrate Youth video. I have to say... They said that uh, Spielberg borrowed a bit when he was doing Schindler's List, and I think <laughs> part of it, one element in that video, I think came to play when he did Schindler, when Spielberg oh. did Schindler's And kind of, uh, when you see it, you'll know exactly what it is. And um, Fincher, you know, did have a vision. I mean, like, not you know, there's some things that he got to have fun with, but also at certain points you get to, but it also mixes in with a concert that uh, Rick Springfield okay. at the time was kind of performing it. And uh, I've seen him in concert, actually, uh, within the last 10 years, and he puts on a good show. For yeah. Time. So it, it is one of those sort of videos where it's a mix of um, music video and, rock, and life and sort of uh, yeah, other and not stuff. Yeah, like I said, to see a budding director, you know, basically, yeah, like awesome. I said, you know, Springfield picked up on an art school student. It turns out to be Fincher, who was working with Industrial Light Magic and everything, and basically, and it started... Fincher's career on doing music videos, which he basically did before he went into features. So, wow. Okay. And but but it was but it was extraordinary to kind of see that little element, even though it's very 80s. Uh -huh. uh, and I think the stage kind of looked a bit like uh, the beginning of Friday Night Videos. When you look at the stage, you'll yeah. know exactly what I mean. For those of you who've ever seen <laughs> Friday Night Videos, or look it up on YouTube. It, look, it's it's animated in the beginning, but you can kind of see a similarity, sort sort of, when you see the stage that mm -hmm. Rick Springfield is uh, performing. But that's one of the stuff that we've been covering. Uh, and like I said, we like to mix it in with the old and the new. Uh, I mean, God knows there's, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that I, I haven't seen, but um, th that's the beauty part about doing First View, which is basically you get to see – I'm seeing something for the very first time that might shock everybody saying, like, what, it took them until now to get around to this? So that's – Kind of like that, and we're having a lot of fun with it. Awesome! Yay! Um, and on Instagram, and on, you can find that also on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd, where oh I'm gosh. under the name Captain Bly seventy six. Excellent. So we are going to let this episode go because we got two left. Oh, come on, two left. Aww. Oh, it hurts a little. But I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna let's all take a deep breath because in a few moments uh, you're going to join us. Uh, we're going to talk about the middleman, 
and I think you will enjoy... Actually, I, I know you will enjoy this episode. Listen to this. I think at the beginning of the episode, I, I said we were talking about uh, Middleman episode six, uh, seven. We're actually talking about six. Sorry, things are goofing here. I actually prepped episode seven, had it all set to go, and then realized that uh, we're talking six. The boy band superfan interrogation, directed by Norman Buckley, written by Jordan Rosenberg, July 21st, 2008. Really? You're premiering a show like this in the middle of the summer? Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't seem wise to me. But anyways, in this one, there are weird war poles opening up throughout the city. Wendy and the middleman go to investigate it. Uh, it leads them to a house with a scientist at it who has the assorted bits of equipment in order to make this happen, but he doesn't seem to know how any of it works. And he has living with him a, a boy band obsessed 14-year-old potty-mouthed girl who seems to be more than human and who seems very obsessed with everyone's favorite boy band, Varsity Fan Club. And I won't go too in detail into it, but um, Ida gets in some, some rough, has some rough moments here to deal with, and we get some boy band action, and we got a really foul-mouthed uh, young teen, and it's all, it's, it's, I think it's a good time. I'm going to make a, a, a noise with my mouth, and then uh, Chris and I on the other side, we're talking all over this. Bom, bom. Now I'm here with Kristen Hawes, and I have a question for her. What was your favorite boy band? You can say the Beatles if you like. My favorite boy band? The favorite boy band from my time was probably New Kids on the Block. My favorite boy band uh, of all time is probably the Monkees. Oh, of course. Of course. All right. Yeah, I don't I don't know um, what mine is. I mean, I guess the Monkees were pretty great. I guess the, the Beatles kind of started as a boy band, right? Sort of. And... For the at sort the of, very yeah. beginning, at the very beginning, like when the girls are all screaming and everything, um, but then stop mm-hmm. doing it when they became really hairy and stuff. Um, but I was going to say my favorite all-time boy band is Varsity Fan Club, and they are oh yeah, they're really good. They're featured heavily. They were mentioned in the previous episode. Don't scre- scream at me forever scre- during Stump the Band. Scream your love. Scream your love at me? Yeah, scream, scream your love. Scream around me? Yeah. And in this episode of The Middleman, episode six, and unfortunately, folks, when we get to the end of this one, we're halfway through the show, which is a bit of a heartbreaker. But mm-hmm. um, but then we wouldn't, if, if, if there were two or three seasons of the show, we wouldn't be talking about that. It's the show on here, so we'd have a separate middle Middleman podcast we did together but this is episode six the boy band super fan interrogation and in this one well i just told you what happened in this one in a little plot breakdown so i guess i'll just i don't have to tell you again unless you want me to do you folks everyone our crawl no that was the last episode chris what did you think of the boy band super fan interrogation i liked this episode quite a bit uh it's it's funny and it's kind of wild. We go on an adventure trying to figure out what exactly is going on. But like every other episode, everything kind of ties together. And then you have this about who is our favorite. Her battery's been stolen. 
and she is in jeopardy. We, we're like half the episode. We have no Ida. Yes. So it's it it pulls at the heartstrings as well as is really kind of funny and goofy and zany like we're accustomed to. Mm-hmm. So I liked it. Uh, what did you think? I think I think in Terra Droid four thousand or three thousand does his or her best, but is not yes. is not Ida. Um, no. I I do like the um, uh, what, well the episode starts off with a moment of brash plagiarism. And then becomes odder and odder as it goes. Visiting a professor's house, watching him getting beat up by like a twelve-year-old girl who <laughs> seems to who seems to have like a jet a huffy. That's some huffy. And then we meet this boy band, and the boy band we get this, these moments with the boy band. And again, this is this was on was this ABC Family? What what family? was this on what, what this network? is ABC family ABC family so you ABC get a moment family. so you get a moment where this boy band brings out an album full of pictures of teenage girls and these are all the girls we've slept with and then another album that's is and these are all their parents as a very funny gag and and one of the guys Nick why does Nick have a I think it's Nick why does Nick have a cane Nick didn't always have that cane and so and so you watch that and again this is really the episode where I watch it and I think this was on like a family network that seems a bit like I think it's implied that probably like the boy bands you know there's you know groupies and such I, I think that's implied but um, do you want to say that and like have an album of pictures it seems a little odd but funny don't get me wrong uh, and the, and the rest of it, yeah, I think I think it's a fun episode. Pip and his 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 awful plagiarism and sort of blackmailing Wendy, um, and we saw that yeah in the last episode where he was kind of looking at all of her pictures, and apparently he only has one painting, and it's a nude <laughs> that he claims it's of his sister, but they think but it's, they keep saying it's a self portrait. Yeah, they keep saying it's a self portrait. Um, and so as, as the episode goes along, you get. <laughs> The, well, it, it begins sort of, sort of wonderfully with this. There's a hole in space that a duck got caught in, <laughs> and so they begin to try to figure out what's going on and these holes in spaces and where they come from. These people seem to have middleman technology, and then it builds up to this thing about like the Clothonian Empire or something like that, and the the evil emperors who are now living on our planet. And there's this. Evil, there's this commander, rebel commander, who looks like a 12 or 13 year old girl who has super zappy X Men style powers, and she's going to try to save us and all kinds of things. And it, it gets pretty nuts. And there's a truth bomb, and there's some sort of concussive bomb. This episode has everything in it. Now that I t- now that I talk it about really it, out loud. <laughs> but uh, what what else? What what else? What what did you have a favorite part of it, or, or was it? Um, you'd love all of it, or? Well, because first of all, Pip has a very punchable face, yes. and he should have been punched. Mm-hmm. And the fact that obviously we expect Lacey and Noser to be horrified and upset by what he's done. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes to the middleman, who is very much so that violence should be the last resort of a middleman, when she tells him finally that 
Pip stole her paintings, he's like, do you want me to, to punch him in the head? I mean, it's just yes. like, yeah. because art is so important that yeah. you he's, don't tolerate this. And, and he, he, he like when, when she says, well, Pip, the, uh, you know, the, the, the guy who's, whose dad owns the building we live in and sort of blackmailed me and stole my, stole my paintings. And, and, and I think, um, the middleman says, says something like get back 200 feet. What? And, and he's, he's very, very angry, which, and he does say kind of <laughs> not subtly at all, sort of in the car. I just want to tell you this, if you need my help that, you know, I've been trained to do a lot of things and, you know, I can <laughs> do some things that hurt people. And I just want you to know that I can do that. <laughs> yeah. And when they're, when Wendy, because obviously Lacey wants to do something confrontational, mm-hmm. and Wendy asks her not to, and it's because she's discussing it from the car with Middleman, and when well, she's on the phone with her, and they get Joe ninety from down the hall yes, that does yes. the phallic sculptures. <laughs> yes, the who's guy also one of the law students, and he thinks you know they can file an injunction and stuff, and and she. You know, she assures Lacey, she's just like, let me handle it, I'll take care of it. And Lacey's like, well, I didn't hear the words hellaciously Byzantine or revenge, but all right. And then when she hangs up with Lacey, Middleman's just very calmly says, I could tie him to a chair. The rest <laughs> kind of works itself out. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, the the thing about this is, you know, it's like when Ben got his movie deal, two episodes ago he's not in the episode he's not a part of the episode he's not a part of her life anymore so she has to it's it was, they broke up so you have to deal with that when the person's gone you you know you have to deal with that without them being there but pip is a douchebag who's taken her <laughs> paintings and so throughout the episode you're like no matter what craziness is going on boys boy bands jumping around um, you know this 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 little girl tearing up Ida, taking her battery, creating this little box with the warp hole generator. Th- all this crazy stuff happening the whole time. You kind of got in the back of your mind, what are we gonna do about Pip? What's gonna mm-hmm. happen with Pip? We got to take care of Pip, and they do in the end. Maybe that's something we keep saying we're not gonna ruin things. Maybe we won't ruin that. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Let's just say that let, let's just say that once again, something that you think is a throwaway in the beginning mm-hmm. comes back at the end yes. to be very useful. And, and 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 actually, I the first time I watched this, when I got to the end and I thought, how are they going to deal with this? I actually scanned through in my mind the entire episode, and then about ten seconds before what happened happens i thought oh wait a minute what about this and then it happened and i was like hooray that's some good check off revolver on the uh, or gun on the mantelpiece stuff there nicely done um what else what else on this one i mean obviously we lose ida for quite a bit which is which is yes sad. ida ida being pinged and yes. when they have to restart her cuz she's in blue screen crash mode screen of death <laughs> and middleman is asking wendy if she's pregnant that's a funny she's gonna reboot Ida. all one take <laughs> it's very funny yeah that's just brilliant mm-hmm. and then when ida gets back on the hadar again 
and phones into middleman to tell him something and he goes that's good you know getting back up on oh, you're back up on the horse and she's like you know it helps to be devoid of human weakness <laughs> yes yeah uh... and then she and then when she calls him to basically she's calling for help by saying she's talking to the whatever their equivalent of a Girl Scout is, mm-hmm. saying that she's buying yeah. cookies and you know how much I love little girls and that's her <laughs> signal of something is wrong. Come so, back to headquarters. Yeah. That's that's a nice that's a nice moment the moment you realize that our little um rebel is in there and about to take Ida's battery, basically. Yeah. And it's it's um yeah it's it's uh it's really nice that I um I I, I I I I I will say that there's that that scene um and I don't know I don't know if this means anything but there's the scene where they go to visit that theoretical physics professor who lives in this yeah. gigantic house um and, and is basically under the sway of I've forgotten her name what's the name of the gal uh, her Earth name is Cindy. Cindy, that's right. Yes, is he's under the sway of Cindy, who is building all these things and trying to stop the evil um, bad guys who may or may not be a bunch of hunks. And 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 there, there's um there's there's a it, 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 I don't I I, I had the, where he says at one point, well, she promised me that uh, she could get me tenure, which never came through. And I thought, well, if looking at the size of your house, if if you're the only person in it, you're not doing bad. You're doing yeah. pretty good. So tenure might be nice, but keep doing whatever it is you're doing, because I think you're doing okay. Because your house is 18 times the size of my house, so keep doing what you do. <laughs> and there, there's a very very nice moment too when they pull up in front of his house. And there's there's no one there. And then all of a sudden, as they get out of the car, a little kid passes by in the front, and a little girl on a huffy passes by in the mm-hmm. foreground. And then as they're getting in the house, you can see her slowly biking by in the background. And then as she's about to leave the frame, she looks up at them. And it's like, yeah. ooh, nice, nice. Now, great that I wasn't looking that at all the first time I watched it. Until we we go out into the living room and the, <laughs> and Cindy suddenly has the lightning electro bolts flying from her fingers, which is always cool. I mean, yes. that's something I that's something I'd like to do. If I had a superpower, it would be something where I could just like shoot the bolts from your fingers. But that's just me. Um, oh, oh, I, I should I have an idea. I don't right think here. that would be good for me to have in customer service. Oh, probably not. No, you'd have to. There must be. <laughs> There, you, you'd, you'd have special gloves, I guess you would wear, huh? Yeah. Pr- probably. And you, you you know things were getting bad. It was like, Chris, it's taking off her gloves. <laughs> it's like, I'm taking off my earrings. The fight's beginning. Yep. You know, it's like, I'm taking off And we're done with your rude, entitled self today. <laughs> Watch what I can do. <laughs> Uh, now, now, what else on this one yet? Because there's a lot that goes on, and they do um, everything turns out all right for Wendy in the end, which is good. I won't yes. at the moment. We won't say exactly how they do it, but um, it is done, and um, we get a lot of great boy band stuff. Although I will say this: if that is their biggest concert, 
it seems to be a rather intimate concert. Or is it yeah. just me? You, you think biggest concert, you're thinking like stadiums. That yes. was like a sizable club. I went and saw in their heyday, I saw New Kids on the Block. Tell me more, the, tell us all more. <laughs> I saw them play at the Assembly Hall over in Champaign, and that is where like the uh, at the U of I, where the Illini play their basketball games. Mm. So that's like huge. Oh, wow, yeah. And this was like it would, it would have been the equivalent of them playing like the castle in Bloomington. I mean, it's it's a nice venue, mm-hmm. but it's it's not the assembly hall. <laughs> yeah, you get a couple hundred people in there having a great time, but it's not. Yeah. It ain't like when I saw the Grateful Dead at Rich Stadium and Crosby, Stills and Nash opened up for them, and I was surrounded by so many hippies, I, I didn't know what to do. Um, that, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big that's a big space, you know. Um, but the good thing about the hippies, about halfway through the Grateful Dead show, it doesn't matter if you look like me; they still love you because they're hippies, mm-hmm. and they're we're all they're all high as hell, and they're having a great time. So, um, one thing real quick, and then I'm just going to mention um, two things. One, I love how much Cindy swears. Oh um, my gosh, yes. Which certainly, again, the family thing. This was on a family network. You have a girl who's the age of most of the kids who are apparently watching. And she's just letting off so many <laughs> great swears. And at one point, they're like, um, it's it's just, I, did she say, oh, I, and when she dies, she said, the real bitch about this is that I'm two yeah. weeks away from retirement. <laughs> and that's hilarious. But at the same time, you think a 12 or 13-year-old girl saying that is hilarious. But if it's meant to be for a family audience, wouldn't you have to explain to much of the family what that is, <laughs> yeah. what that trope is, you know? Um, oh, Probably, oh, and what, oh, sorry. I will say about this, though, the reason why that I think plays so funny of her swearing so much, because I'm a simple person and I think it's hilarious, is because they bleep, like they put the black box over her mouth so you yes. can't even read lips of what it's supposed yes. to be, so you get to put whatever you want in there. And that's what so hilarious not only it's this like 14 year old 13 14 year old girl you know probably saying swears that i say but (laughs) it's the black box you can't even see what they're saying yes it's hilarious and when she is restrained and she is saying her serial rank serial number and name and she just keeps saying it over and over again, but it gets filled with more swears. You know, it's like, my name is beep, 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 and I'm beep, beep, and I'm serial number VL, beep, beep, beep. And sometimes it's just getting worse and worse and worse, and she's getting angrier and angrier, and it gets funnier and funnier. Oh, my. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I also want to throw in that the middleman, Jake, Bobby, Tom, I'm forgetting their names, um, but the 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 um the middleman when he's looking at the varsity fan club stuff in her room the way he sort of becomes kind of wistful the more he talks about yes. them oh he's the rebel yeah, yeah and he's yeah and he's why does he have a cane and yes and he just just the way the, the way he um the the way he just kind of is like you almost think maybe we we know so, we know he was a navy seal we know from this episode that his name was his dad's name. What mm-hmm. his dad's name was, I don't think we know. 
but we also think maybe maybe he wanted to be maybe, maybe in a boy band. You know, I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't. I mean, this is two thousand eight. What would you say his age is? Early thirties, mid thirties. Yeah, maybe somewhere around there. Okay, somewhere so, around thirty, I would think. So, so maybe maybe he was born in mid seventies or something like that. So maybe he could have grown up watching the monkeys. You know, when it came back to TV in like the late eighties, there. Yeah. You know, and maybe he was like, man, I wish I yeah. was. I wish or, I was in a band like that. But instead, he became a Navy SEAL in the middleman. Mm-hmm. But plus, he also them as being very wholesome, and he likes yes. wholesome things. Boy bands are wholesome things, and he True. he does like the wholesome thing. Though he does say at one point, because um, because Wendy can't handle boy bands, and she gives. Lacey a whole lot of grief because she turns out to be a varsity yes fan club and Lacey does fan. a great she she but, does the moves um, and it's like hey Lacey that's pretty hot you 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 yeah. won me over I got oh in. yeah <laughs> but in the car because she's like says something about um you know it, she I can't remember what she says but basically she will lose respect for middleman if he's a fan and he's like no actually I'm a I'm a more of a country fan yes that's right yeah yeah Hank. Hank and he mentions he mentions if I see he says the Carter family, I want to say he says the Carter family Hank and someone else I don't remember who else he says Jimmy yeah. Rogers or something like that or Johnny Cash, right maybe Jimmy, like it, Johnny Cash that, the Carter Reed, family something like that something it's like yeah. something like Johnny Cash Carter family and Hank I think is what he says and I'm like I'm, I am I am also a fan of those but yeah. I do also oh, love some Varsity fan club yeah yes, yes. Um, so. Um, <laughs> I think there was a there was a great point I was going to make. Yeah, I'm just watching them doing their rehearsal dancing on stage, and there there's a point where one of them and he really gets it. Scream girl, let's tell the whole world so they can know how I feel. Scream girl, and uh, mm-hmm. and and middleman's really getting into it. He's getting the groove of it. He, he's getting yeah. That. And, and one of the band members does say to another like he he kind of implies that he's out of the band if he doesn't get the moves down. And I'm wondering when you learn who they are later, he certainly wouldn't be saying that to him, um, unless there's something else like a deeper part of that, you know. Well, I guess if they're all dancing to get the warp, the space hole opening, and he can't yeah. do the dance right to get the applause to get the space hole to open, then maybe he has. But they wouldn't boot him out. The gals wouldn't let him. Well, they might leave him behind, though. True, true. Yeah, that's true. I think there's a lot of um, uh, you know, a lot of lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on in this episode. And when when you get to yeah, when you get to the obviously what the premise of the episode is and what's going on and and you get that and it's funny because like the the bad guys are these guys and the good guy is this young gal and. And they're also, and she's sort of represented by um, uh, a guy with a really goofy hat, the Monty Python <laughs> wannabe guy. Yes. And he, what did you think? Of, what, what did you think of him? Because he clearly, he's um, <laughs> it's 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 funny because the rest of it is so so earthy. And then you see him, and he's got he's like out of Babylon Five or something. I don't quite know what he's from. Yeah, he he reminded me of somebody from like the Star Star Wars prequels. Yes, yes, a really bad character from one of the Star Wars prequels, where George Lucas thought this is a great idea, and then you watch it and you think, no, 
No, no especially that hat it's not. he's wearing. That, yeah. and and I mean he's he's sort of threatening in his own way, and I do love the fact that um that um that the middleman knows the the protocol when he's talking yes. to him, which is cool. Um, but there there's like 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 Wendy says, you know, you're 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 just going to let Ida go because of some Monty Python wannabe back there. <laughs> And then, then he does. He does. He has that great thing where he's um, he uh, he's clearly a guy like putting on a big mock English accent, but because he's an alien, that's the way they talk. So it's not mm-hmm. it's not a guy putting on. It's that's his accent. That's the alien accent. You know, it's like the 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 the, the manic manic. I forget what they were from two episodes ago. Who you know had the plastic surgery faces and never showed any emotion but mirth. You know, and, and that's the way this guy is. So there's yeah. a, oh, when I just saw the moment where um, Cindy attacks Ida with the the saw, the circular saw. <laughs> oh, and Cindy is there's that weird shot of Cindy like up up in the up in the ceiling. Oh yeah. That's just a and that's a weird. I don't know that I should be seeing that. That just that just looks weird. That just looks weird. Um, it does. It and, it looks alien. It does. It does. It does look. It looks strangely alien. But then she like has a Girl Scout uniform on. So it's like. So, so it's like. It's like the first time you see. Like it's almost like a almost almost like an Exorcist kind of thing. Like like a Linda Blair spite. You know, just kind of a weird thing. Um, but then the set. But when you watch it again, and you've already you've already seen sort of the image, you look around the image, and you're like, oh, she's wearing a Girl Scout uniform, <laughs> which makes it just really weird. Yeah. Um. I guess it's a weird episode. Um, uh, what else do you have about this? I, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna say two words: glass block. There's a lot of glass block in the. Um, There's a lot of glass block. Uh, what, what else do you have on this one? I'm gonna scan me notes. Um. So, do do we spoil about Ida? What happens to Ida? Yes. Yes. Let's do it, folks. We're okay. sorry. Spoil. So, yeah, so they after Cindy gets shot two weeks from retirement, there's really nothing that they can do. They have to stop the 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 scream applause meter, whatever thing, scream harvester. Um, so they won't open that wormhole. So they have to use this black box, and by using the black box, it depletes Ida's battery, and she will be no more. And as Middleman says, sometimes you have to take one on the chin. And even though they tried, they gave her that. They had to use the black box to stop Varsity yes. Fan Club. And so Ida is no more. And they give her a proper send-off, putting her in a crate. Middleman plays taps. Mm, yes. um, Wendy, which, Wendy puts which, a, a flower with her. Yes, like a says, lily or something. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And says something to the effect of that saving the world... And doing all of this good probably would have really pissed her off. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then as Wendy gives Middleman a moment alone, she goes downstairs with uh, Elroy there, the Interodroid, and there's another crate sitting in the lobby. And in this crate is Ida, the new Ida, yes. who punches Interodroid's head off. Yes. Which is which is fantastic because there's a moment where the middleman is doing like the paperwork and says no middleman has ever been without an Ida before, 
but surely I don't know how long Middleman has been. I almost see Middleman as being like a variation of like Torchwood from Doctor Who, something that's been around for like a hundred years, a hundred and twenty years or something like that. And Ida was probably like a steampunk sort of clockwork thing back in the day. And and when an Ida gets destroyed, whoever it is who funds them and sends them all the things they use sends them a new Ida and this is his first time this middleman is 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 experiencing this but it is it does get very sad in there that that moment when they're standing yeah. there with the with this little box and the thing i love about it is it's just the box that's going to save the day is just this little nondescript box with like three switches and yeah. it's it's just like you you know and when he opens it it's like oh wait a minute this isn't a this it's a this and like is it i don't know i just see like six wires and three switches which i love <laughs> I yeah. love it's almost it's like magic, you know, and I'm I'm completely, I'm completely on board with it. Um, and uh, did did I ever tell you about the um, a long time ago? I pitched to uh, when I when I an agent I pitched a TV show called Casanet and Bongo. Did I ever tell you about Casanet and Bongo? I don't think so. I'm not going to go too much into it right now. But the original it, it was it could have been live action it could have been animated. There were th- the the original season was going to be thirteen half hour episodes, and um, uh, Cassin and Bongo were the two heroes, and one of them was um, and they sort of wore like skin tight sort of um, vinyl leathery suits, and Cassinet was um, kind of um, uh, uh, like an, an acrobat, a lot of flipping and spinning and stuff like that. And Bongo was just a big tough guy, and um, and sort of the thing about it was that Cassinet was um, kind of in love with Bongo but Bongo was too stupid to figure it out so that was one of the plot lines that went through it was Bongo sort of learning uh, uh, that this was going on and Cassinet would make their outfits and every time they defeated a um, villain Cassinet would make a collector plate you remember those plates they used to have oh yeah Oh, and, yeah. like Star Trek and he would and so an episode would end with they put another collector's plate up and would have an image from there and occasionally Bongo would be eating off of them and Cassinet would get angry because you're not supposed to eat off the collector's plates we have other plates we use for eating and but one of the villains they fought in the, I think their very first episode was a villain called the Apocalypse Mistress who was a young woman who had a bunch of thugs and she took over like a mall uh, of some sort like a three four story mall and she was going to blow up the world and she and and Cassin and Bongo had to fight a lot of bad guys and stuff like that and all kinds of crazy stuff. And in the end, when they finally met up with the Apocalypse Mistress, she was this young woman who had a black box with a big switch on it. <laughs> and that was it. And she said, "Don't make me throw this." And they're and they're like, "What? This is it." And she goes to throw the switch, which is going to end the world. And you never quite learn whether or not she can end the world by throwing the switch because they catch her. She appears again mm-hmm. later in the series. But but at this time it's like and they're like, Well that that it's just a little wooden box with a switch. It doesn't do anything. And like, well we can't we can't risk the entire world. So they have to stop yeah. her from throwing the switch. And that's what this reminded me of. There's just this little box and you look at it and it's like you look inside it, it's like, I don't know what this is. But when we throw the switches it does this amazing thing. 
and unfortunately it kills Ida, but we have another Ida. But uh, but that's that's yes. what I thought of when I saw the box. I thought, please don't let that be an apocalypse box. Please don't, <laughs> because because the thing about it is that I think some point you learn later on when they throw open the box, there's nothing in it. But when they throw the switch, it does something. I'm not going to spoil it in case this actually ever happens. I won't spoil what happens. But that was the thing. It's just this young woman standing there with this box going, I'm going to throw the switch. And like hundreds of law enforcement, back up, back up. Don't get near her. And she's just standing there holding this wooden box. with, And it's, it's like a big, like, um, like a, you know, like there's a big, like red um, thing on top, you know, like a, like a big lever kind of thing. Yeah. And, and it's just, a, don't, don't get any nearer. Don't get any nearer. And that's what it reminded me of when I saw this. I thought, don't tell me they, because I think I came up with that idea around the same time as this. So I was like, don't tell me we both had the same. It's a similar thing, but there's actually does something proper, whereas I'm not going to tell you what mine did. So, <laughs> that was a little, I hadn't, th- I hadn't thought about casting it in Bongo in like four or five years. But the moment I saw that box, I thought, don't you dare. And they didn't quite. So. Um, what what else do you have? Oh, one one. Uh, I just got one last thing. There's a Mister Fusion in the um, in the laboratory in the doctor yes. his laboratory. Mister Fusion, a la Back to the Future, um, the the gar- the thing you cram garbage into that powers the DeLorean. Yeah. Um, so what else do you have on this one? I'm sorry about that Kessnett and Bongo uh, thing, but I, I, I had to say that because all I could think of was the apocalypse and just this fantastic moment where they approach her and she turns and she's just holding this little wooden box, black wooden box with the switch. And like, what is that? What is that? And they try to get it from it. Don't you do it! And they're like, okay, okay. You don't want to risk the end of the world. You'd rather not risk the end of the world, right? No, so. yeah, when it all comes down to it, you'd rather yeah. err on the side of caution there. So, and she turns out, if I remember correctly, she turns out to be not not a bad gal in the end. I think I think she helps them no. out in the end. Yeah, but I mean, they're trying their best not to have to use the little black box. Yes, because they want to save Ida. But when it comes down to it, in they the can't end. avoid it. So, yeah, but at but, least they be, get a new Ida. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. So, um, do you have anything else on this one? Um, I just have a couple of bits of trivia okay. that I could Please. share. Yeah. So, so our little girl Cindy Marshall is um, played by Eden Share or Share. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I'm sorry. Please don't come and murder me. Um, <laughs> she's actually she went on to play Sue Heck on The Middle, so she found oh. success on another Middle show. Wow. She's very she she's she's really good in this. She's when she is is yes. strapped into that thing, she looks really like an alien. She looks weird. She, she yeah. does look weird. Yeah. She does a great job. Mm-hmm. And then um yeah, in case you had any doubt, Varsity Fan Club is an actual boy band and they still perform today. But what? Yeah, for, for I had reals? to look it up because I I thought it might be you know a, a boy band they made up for the show mm-hmm. and um no it's not it's an actual boy band so it's just they didn't i guess have the same level of popularity as some of the others or maybe it was because when they would have been around it would have been my late 20s and i was not into boy bands at that point yeah. that i kind of missed them but yeah they they still exist um Apparently they had to swap out one of their members. One of their members retired, and they got a new member. But yeah, oh. they they still perform. So, is it the guy with the cane? Did his hip finally? 
go I out I don't on? know because like most boy bands I can't tell them apart <laughs> <laughs> now I, I just I just want to say um, do you have any do you, do you have anything else no okay I just have one, one more thing in the um, when they're watching the band perform right before it cuts to Cindy knocking out the security guard eating the donut look way in the back over on the far right um, behind uh, middleman and dubby and and there is a guy with blonde hair and a blue shirt who kind of looks at them oddly for a moment i think that is the young version of the time traveler that i saw two episodes ago who was behind the I don't even remember their name anymore. The plastic surgery aliens. I think that oh, is him. Manicoids. That is that is a younger version of him. <laughs> I think he's popping up throughout the season. So I we'll have to I keep a lookout for him. I can't prove it, but we got to keep a lookout at the extras from now on because I think we will probably see a child or a teen <laughs> who is staring. Who 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 the look on their face is inappropriate to because this guy when he was looking at them he wasn't like man i love varsity fan club they're the best his look was like who are they what's going on here and which was which was the look i thought the the gentleman had in the manicoid episode but then a moment later you saw he was actually in mid like turning his head to laugh at something and his face was just like an uh, kind of thing so so i'll stop there um so again, I think it's another another very fine episode of the show. I think um, uh, I, I'd scream my love for this show. I would totally. Yeah, why not? And and um, so, so so you don't have the where, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me at akakikiorights.com. It is the home of my podcast, Book of Dano, an old Hawaii Five-O podcast. You can also find me at my blog, kikiwritesabout.com. And if you want my thoughts on boy bands in real time you can <laughs> get that by following me on twitter at kiki writes excellent and that was so we're halfway through middleman now folks which is which is a little sad but we still we still got six more episodes so i'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen next because i have not watched them so I, I i'm excited to see so um uh i am going to uh send us to this and um say cindy i'm sorry you died two weeks before retirement that kind of shit happens. <laughs> beep! Sorry, I forgot to beep that. So, well, what are you going to do? So, here we go. This is next. Bump! Bump! Hey, everyone. It's Dan again. Uh, again, I, I do apologize for the sound of the Battlestar Galactica. I know it's, uh, it's a good discussion, but uh, there's, like I said, there's only so much you can do with that sound when it craps out on you like that. But thanks again for uh, listening to another episode of Adventure Super Train. Next time, yeah, more... Uh, more monkey, more middleman, and the penultimate Battlestar Galactica. Ooh. And uh, where are we online? At Eventually Super Train, or Eventually Super Train on Facebook, Addy Super Train 1 on Twitter. Uh, Danny Slacks at uh, yahoo.com is, is my email address if you want to shoot me an email. And Eventually Super Train.blogspot.com. And that's about it, everyone. And let, me, uh, let me play a little music. Be good to yourself. We'll talk to you next time on the Super Train. The eventually super trans. Somehow it doesn't work when I say it like that. Just join us next year. Be, be there. Be, listen to this. Mm-hmm.